ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानम जन शलाकाया चक्षुर Shri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the most munificent avatar of the Supreme Lord, the Lord Mahabharata, Krishna Prema Padayati, Krishna and Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but the situation in Navadip, prior to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, was that there were a few devotees and a lot of non-devotees. It's a holy place. Navadvipa was known as a holy place at that time. Why it was so holy or the extent of its sacredness wasn't known. It was considered a holy place because it's on the Ganga and specifically that is a place of a Sangam. Wherever there is a Sangam then the river becomes more sacred. So Navadvipa was known as a sacred place and there are so many scholars there. It's particularly a place of scholarship. which means uh, Sanskrit scholarship. In those days, scholarship means Sanskrit scholarship, not this uh, MSc, PhD or any such thing. Sanskrit scholarship and then uh, study of Shastra. And the main school of thought which was prominent in Navadipa at that time was Navanyan, which, which at that time some new system of logic. Nowadays we can't understand these things. Unless you understand Sanskrit, you can't understand these things at all anyway. But anyway, it's described that people were very materialistic. People in general were very materialistic. They were only a Tamil translation for men also is required. It's going on. People were very, very materialistic. It's not stated that in Navadipa at that time they had uh, fast food joints. or any such things, but it stated they were materialistic. That uh, people, they were, they follow the Vedic prescriptions, but, can we turn this off, please? But only for the sake of worldly advancement and no interest in Krishna consciousness. And there are few devotees headed by Advaita Acharya who had a house both in Shantipur and in Navadvipa. But in general, the, the Vaishnavas are very few and they, they deplored the situation of people being totally materialistic, no, no interest in the real purpose of life. That the purpose of life is to understand God. But people are a long way from any such consciousness. So the Vaishnavas of Navadvip, they were uh, upset at this situation, but among, they, got, they met together themselves and chanted the Lord's name and particularly Advaita Acharya called out that Krishna you should appear and rectify this situation because if this is a holy place and this is in such bad shape then what to speak of everywhere else which is anyway unholy so the situation uh, it's somewhat similar at the present time if we drive around this big city of Chennai, we'll see that the populace is almost entirely materialistic. And there are a few devotees who meet together and chant Hare Krishna. 
and desire that more people would be Krishna conscious. But most people, they're a long way from Krishna consciousness. The whole trend of modern society is so much against it. There is a diff- There are differences between that period in Navadvip and the present period. Now, one difference is that in the meantime, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did appear. He has come. Chaita Vesecha. Or is that uh, Basu Ghosh, one poet has sung that? Golok Hate Nadiyai Chaita Vesecha. Radhaba Kanti Loye Chaita Vesecha. He has come from Golok to Nadiya with the, with the uh, mood, with the feelings and the bodily luster of Srimati Radharani. He has come. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come. That's one thing. So we have his blessings, we have his teachings. Prabhupada has come. We have his movement. And another difference is that although the the materialistic trend actually it's many many times more strong than in Navadvip at that time. In Navadvip at that time people were materialistic but they weren't going to the fast food joints as they have now. People they followed Vedic principles even if only externally they followed Vedic principles. But nowadays uh, Actually, it's a funny thing that in those days, this, or even recently, in the time up to the time of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, they, uh, the smarters in Bengal used to criticize the Vaishnavas for not following the Vedic principles. There's a saying, Ved Vidhi Chara Jai Boshtam Par. You heard this? You didn't hear it. I only heard it recently. That giving up all the rules of the Vedas, they enter the Vaishnavas area. I mean, Vaishnav, that was considered, when you give up all the Vedic rules and regulations, you become a Vaishnav. Because, because the Vaishnavas were any, anyway opposed to the Smartas. And uh, that's one thing. Even real Vaishnavas are not so much interested in all the intricate rules and regulations of the Vedas were interested in serving Krishna. Which doesn't necessarily mean you don't follow the intricate rules of the Vedas, but you're not so much interested in them for their own sake. But then another reason they criticized the Vaishnavas like this was because Vaishnav, and we're talking about Bengal in the 19th century and pretty much nowadays also, especially the early part of the 20th century, Vaishnav, that was a bad word. If someone called you, if you came from a respectable family and, so, and someone called you, oh, you're a Vaishnav, it's like, you know, it's, it's like saying you're really low class. The words, especially the words, Boiragi, which means Bairagi. That was a very bad word. That, Boiragi means someone who uh, dresses like a sadhu and hangs out with the Vaishnavis. Vaishnavi was a very bad word. Vaishnavi in Bengal. That means someone, uh, some woman who's been kicked out of her home for, for uh, not being chaste. 
and then she goes and joins and then she just becomes like a anyone you can imagine and there was the sahajiya sahajiya we use that word sahajiya to mean all kinds of so-called Vaishnavas who don't follow the rules and regulations but actually sahajiya cult in Bengal that was um, it wasn't even specifically Vaishnava originally it was apparently it was a Buddhist cult and there, there were different strains within it but one of the important things was that a sahajiya picks up a sadhika which means a, a female associate for engaging in activities which to them seem sahaj sahaj means natural so you can see what people think is natural in this material world so then so anyway in this way the term Vaishnav Bhushtam Bhushtam was the common word Bhushtam Vaishnavi these are very bad words so Vaishnavs were considered those who didn't follow the rules and regulations of Shastra they took by because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's cult which puts more emphasis on chanting the holy names than in following so many intricate rules of Shastra some people they took advantage of this and misused this to become absolutely fallen in the name of being a Vaishnava so Vaishnava is not a bad name and then Bhaktivinoda Thakur came to revive Bhaktisthan Sarsar Thakur fought against all these things so I'm just making this comment because it was considered that Vaishnavas they weren't following the rules of Shastra but nowadays we find it's the Vaishnavas who follow and the so-called Smartas they don't follow anything and even the so-called Vaishnavas in just like your traditional Iyengars at least they used to be traditional Iyengars but now they're not traditional at all because most of them don't follow anything they follow Sai Baba or Kauki Avatar or something which as I tell many such persons when I come in contact with them that uh, your forefathers were so great they'll be so disappointed to see you that you, you should be proud to come in such a good line that you should be uh, disgusted you should be ashamed that you have brought your family line into such a low position that someone is imitating the position of God just like Pongraka and you are following him you are, you are a disgrace to your family line so this is the position those who are spoke still the people may be very proud they may be Aya some smarter coming in that line but uh, still you find some who are following something some of them they some of their boys they go they study at Kanchi and then they come at the weekends when they're not in the office when they grow up they come at the weekends and they chant the Vedas and perform some yogis but that's not that's not traditional traditionally they shouldn't be doing any job they're working in some multinational corporation whatever but then doing a job, then immediately you lost your Brahmanatva, your position as a Brahman. As soon as you do a job, then you're finished. You know? But anyway, what can they do? They want to keep the tradition going on somehow or other. So some so-called Brahmanas are still ready to chant some mantras and do some yagyas and at least on the weekend put on the 
Pundram. Although in, in the week they can't do it. In the morning they'll do a little puja, put this on, and then they have to take it off and go to work. So this is the situation. Some of them are trying some of them are trying to pull it along somehow or other. But most are not interested. And you'll find that even uh, coming from what were formerly very strict families, anyway you know better than me, all the things. We have four regulated principles and many of them don't follow any of them. And hardly any follow all of them. So the Vaishnavas now, when we say, when I say, of course in Tamil Nadu, the uh, Vaishnav that's generally thought of as what we in the Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya called Sri Vaishnav. means follow Ramanuja Acharya. But we see that the, we could, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they are following the principles more strictly than Smartas and Smartas means Ayas and Ayangas. They follow more strictly. Because previously, and in Bengal, the Brahmins are completely finished. I mean, you'll find there are some in, in the south, there is, all, all over India, there are some Brahmanas who are trying to uphold some of their culture. But in Bengal, not at all. Hardly. I mean, the head of the Communist Party is a Bhattacharya. <laughs> They're completely foreign. Not even any pretense of anything, anything religious. They're not even, uh, that way at least they're, they're not even proud to the Brahmins, they don't uphold that caste pride because there's nothing, there's no, they're, they're nothing even to hold a pretense of. So, when people hear about our principles, that no meat eating, no fish eating, no gambling, no, no illicit sex, no eggs, no coffee, People become surprised. They think it's very strict. But uh, previously this was uh, just normal in India. But uh, people have become fallen. You see Prabhupada's um, purport is that, uh, what is it, Svavidvara Astrakara, is, is, is it that verse? One of the verses in the second canto of Bhagavata. Prabhupada puts in a footnote, he must have been writing this in about 1970, no, before that, 1968, something like that. So he wrote that even 50 years ago, the people in India, they were all dedicated to the cult of God consciousness. And their whole life was centered around Bhagavatam, Ramayana. People would go to the temples in the morning, they would go in the evening. Any drama, any play, anything was God-centered. But he said, now they have become degraded to the civilization of hogs and dogs, simply working for some bread. Remember reading that in the footnote? Prabhupada puts a little footnote. So that Prabhupada wrote that was in the 60s. And how much India has gone down since then? They used to have these Brahmin restaurants. This, this like Woodlands Urupi restaurant came up because the Brahmins started to work. So they had, but they'd only eat food cooked by Brahmins. So how are they going to get that if they're at work? So they started the Woodlands restaurant. Now it doesn't mean anything. Now People, they, they just buy something in the store which is cooked by who knows who. And who knows what's in it either. And uh, they, they just go to the tea stall and they mix up with, you know, the, the, everyone. And like that. So completely. 
and culture has gone. So the Vaishnavas follow more strictly. But uh, it is somewhat difficult to follow, no doubt. There are difficulties. You have to have some sense control. For instance, if you're interested, if you're accustomed to eating ice cream in the ice cream parlor, then uh, I don't know about here, you in Chennai. And most people in India don't go to these ice cream parlors for one practical reason, is they're damn expensive. Only if you're rich you can go, right? I heard it's like, how much, 30 rupees a shot or something. Does anyone know? I hope not. Anyway. <laughs> Baskin Robbins or something like that. So, if you're accustomed to going there, if, you're, if you think, well, it's only a milk product, you know, it's okay. There might be some egg whites in it, we hope not. So, uh, then every time you go past, then your senses are going to be agitated. If you have a habit of eating here and there, then your senses are going to be agitated all the time. But if you have a vow, I will only take prasad at fixed times, and prasad means that which is cooked by devotees, or raw items like fruit, fried, dried fruit, then your senses are very peaceful, very calm. And actually devotees get the best food, because best food is that which is offered, cooked and offered to Krishna. Whereas all the modern life means you take something out of, you, you get something from the pizza, from the pizza joint, or you just take something out of the freezer and heat it up. No flavor. There's no love in the food. But what is cooked for Krishna with love, then that comes through, and the flavor, and even how it affects your consciousness and your health and everything. People are getting cancer because they're. They're eating fast food, which is, it's not only just full of uh, useless and bad chemicals, but it's also full of the consciousness of the people who make it. The pe consciousness of the people is that, you know, damn it, it's my job, I have to make this, so anyway, I'm doing it. There's no love. There's all, all the lust and the anger and the greed and the frustration of the person who prepares it, that's what you get. So devotees, their life is very pure, but it seems to be very exclusive and very much against the current of modern society. If we were to follow all these principles, say 50 years ago, many people would praise them. Or it might be that even a, the, the orthodox brahmanas, they might discourage that actually. That happened when we were first coming to India. Nowadays you'll find that mostly people from Brahmana caste, if they have any feeling for their Brahmana principles, whether they're smarter or Vaishnava or whatever, they mostly appreciate this God. You're finding that now? They think, yes, it's very good. And not only Brahmins, but others, but especially Brahmins because they're supposed to be religious. And many of them still have a feeling for that. When we first came to India, I first came in 1976, and then I was staying, staying in 77. Mostly, many of the Brahmins were against it. 
They said, no, no, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't follow these principles. Then we should follow, you shouldn't follow. He said, in your next life you can become a Hindu, not in this life. He said, sir, I didn't come here to become a Hindu. You take this book, Bhagavad Gita as it is, and it will save you from being a Hindu. From thinking I'm a Hindu. But anyway, uh, at that time there many people that were against it, but then uh, within a few years they saw, the, they saw, wait a minute, these, these ISKCON people, they're probably the only people who are following and uh, even our own children aren't following. So if there's any hope of our children following, we better call the ISKCON devotees and ask them to tell. Tell our children to follow. That's the only hope. They won't listen to us. So it's, uh, it's an unusual situation. You see, here we have people from the Brahmana caste. I happen to know some of, some of you are from Brahmana caste. Actually, there's quite a few here. You could say disproportionate number according to the population. I mean, if the Brahmana caste makes up how much? 1% of the population? In Chennai, 5%. So there's more than 5% Brahmanas here. At least among the ones I know. And there may be more than I don't know. But uh, previously, you see, your forefathers, they wouldn't sit in a meeting like this. They wouldn't be sitting with Definitely they wouldn't be sitting, listening to a Malacha talking about Bhakti or anything about Shastra. <laughs> and they wouldn't be sitting with all the you know, lower caste people. They might sit in the same room but in a separate part of the room. Isn't it? And really low caste, no, no way. They wouldn't, they wouldn't attend the function. So, by the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, things have changed. And those who are fortunate from whatever caste, they have understood that the real goal of life is simply to develop our love for Krishna. And anything which stands in the way of that, then we should not be attached to that. If I'm thinking, I'm a Brahmana. That is an obstacle in developing our Krishna consciousness. If we are attached to that identification, socially it may mean something. We should understand. Bahuni may vetitani janmani tapacharjana. Krishna said to Arjuna, I've had many births, and so have you. I've had many births. Koto How many you want to speak of our birds? How many Brahmas have come and gone? We're we're taking birth again and again in the life of Brahma. But I we're thinking Brahma is a very long life, but Brahma, so many have come and gone. <laughs> so we've had many births. So Brahmana, that is meant for going up and out of the Brahmanda. 
But then uh, we also sh- we also shouldn't be attached to the. Just like I come from Mlecha background, but I shouldn't be attached to thinking I'm a Mlecha. Also, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who defined Gopi Bhakta Parakamalaya Dasa Dasa Dasa. My identity is I'm not Just like before the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there were few devotees, very strong materialism, and the devotees were very much hopeful that Krishna consciousness would spread very widely very soon, and actually it did. It couldn't have been imagined. All these incidents we read about in Shastra, and even in mundane history for that matter, We read about it that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and then the Sankirtan movement spread. But previous to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's coming, the Vaishnavas or anyone else, they couldn't have imagined it. You never know what's going to happen in future. We can look back on it and say this happened, that happened, but we never know. Now we don't know what's going to happen in future. Now we can say that America liberated Iraq from the tyranny of Saddam Hussein and put it under the tyranny of George Bush instead. But at the time, we didn't know what was going to happen. It might have been that the war would be long and protracted. You don't know. It was about a year ago that all the, uh, the Indian troops marched up to the Kashmir border and all over the world they were saying, oh, there's was it about a year ago? Huh? Oh, yeah. and all over the world, people were thinking, oh, now there's going to be an Indian-Pakistan war. And in India, no one was in the slightest bit bothered because they knew that, you know, they always talk about war, but they never do it. At least I was in South India at that time, and no one seemed in the slightest bit concerned. And I asked one or two people, and they said, yeah, there's not going to be any war. They always talk about it, they never do it. So... But at the time you didn't know. You see, I was getting letters from the embassy telling me you have to leave India immediately and we can't take any responsibility for you if you don't get out right away. They're sending letters like this. So you don't know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. So in the same way, before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, no one knew what was going to happen. The, the, the Vaishnavas, they were thinking, what a terrible situation. And, what should we do when Advaita Acharya is praying for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to come? It just seemed like the Vaishnavas were a very small and insignificant group, and actually people were just, they were regularly insulted by the orthodox Hindus. So what are you doing saying the names of Krishna, wasting your time? And don't you know that you should enjoy life? You only live once. Wait a minute, that's not nothing else. That's not Vedanta philosophy. But they were living like that. They were saying, you just enjoy life. So the Vaishnavas, it, it appeared to be like a hopeless situation. But anyway, they chanted 
the names of the Lord and they were feeling somewhat not exactly depressed but not very happy why these people are wasting their lives and they can take up Krishna conscious but they're not interested and maybe they're trying to do a little preaching but people weren't interested so there are some similarities with the present position in modern day life just like there was a small group of Vaishnavs in Navadip at that time so there's a small group of Vaishnavs in Chennai at the present time spread out all over the city and uh, I must say in in my now I'm going to become your enemy because I've heard it said that Bhaktisthan Sarsartako said if you praise someone you become their enemy but from what I can see basically the devotees here they're very uh, pure hearted actually they're interested in serving Krishna no gross material motives very nice devotees maybe some attachment this that whatever I'm not saying that all Paramahamsas just some Paramahamsas but very very sweet devotees we like to chant Hare Krishna see whenever we organize any meeting like this so many devotees will come from a long distance to hear and even quite often I might not speak so well of you all I may chastise in some ways or other but still coming not holding any grudge like that so very nice devotees very wonderful people especially if we compare to grossly materialistic people who are just rat race and every rat is interested in getting ahead of the other rat so, it's, so work has become full of politics everyone is scheming against everyone else so devotees basically are very pure hearted people and the devotees just like at the time before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared they're also desiring that they're wanting is lamenting the gross materialism all around them and at the same time desiring that people take up Krishna consciousness and for this purpose going out distributing Prabhupada's books and holding all different kinds of programs calling people to programs children's programs old people's programs and there's one Mataji I met her at uh, Bella Station, what's that? Kadpad, isn't it? What's the no? What's the Kadpad? Yeah. So she's coming every week there to the prison in Bella to preach to all the people there. So taking a lot of trouble, coming up and down. So very uh, trying very much to bring people to Krishna consciousness but still the progress seems to be relatively slow and even though there is a difference between the time of before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's arrival is that not many people in Navadipa at that time were interested in Krishna consciousness until Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and then many people took it up and some didn't even then but at the present time there is good interest we can say there is good interest 
in Krishna consciousness, despite the gross materialism, or maybe as uh, partially a result of the gross materialism, people are feeling frustrated. Of course, when I say gross materialism, you're coming from the West and you're coming here, you know, it's like something very spiritual. You feel that when you when you go to the West and you come back to India, you think, oh, this, this is much better. I mean, in the West, it's really, uh, spiritually, it's a desert. I mean, at least here there's something, you see, at least the, on the shop, the name is, the old shops, at least there's something like, I don't know, Ganesh textiles or something like that. Or just as you're driving past the, the people, they're having the marriage, and at least there'll be something like an illuminated image of Ganesh or something. There's, some, there's something to remind you about. Vedic culture, somehow, you might see someone with some tilak on, even that most ladies still wear saris, it's when you, of course nothing spiritual particularly in that, but when you've been in the West, it's, it's a relief, it's more of a spiritually based culture, and more people say Hare Krishna to you here also, in the West they do also, but more here. So uh, the, the gross materialism is, is uh, maybe one reason why people are interested in Krishna consciousness, but at the same time there are so many different bogus groups, just like uh, we happen to be sitting in this hall, I won't say any more because you're not supposed to insult when you go to someone's home, but uh, anyway, you can understand the point. Raman is actually a name of Krishna. What's that verse from... Uh, From uh, Bilvamamba? Ah, that's different. That's the other side. Sutamita Ramani. Ramani here means uh, woman to be enjoyed, enjoyable woman. That's on the material side. But there's uh, Krishna. His name is Rama. He's the enjoyer. And Ramani is Radha. Original. <laughs> so, anyway, you get the point. There are so many bogus groups who are taking advantage of people's spiritual inclination and misguiding them. And once once they're in the clutches of these crocodiles, it's very difficult to get them out. Crocodile, you know, if, if someone's caught by a crocodile, very difficult to get them out because their teeth are very strong and they're shaped away in such a way that they curve backwards. And once you get in, you can't come out. So... That's actually described in uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. That when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in South India, he met so many different kinds of people. And some of the names are given. That uh, there were Karmis, that means like your general smartas. And then Sri Vaishnavas, Buddhists, Jains, followers of Sankhya philosophers, and so on. And he said their theories, they were just like crocodiles. Because once you become taken up by such a theory, it's very difficult to come out. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, anyway, he got them all to chant Hare Krishna. Got them out of the mouth of the crocodile. So nowadays we have different crocodiles. Now people aren't discussing philosophy. In those days, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would meet with the pundits and discuss philosophy. But if you try to discuss philosophy with these people, it's just total, just like, you know, these followers of some Baba or some, some uh, so-called incarnation. It's just 
frustrating because there's people are so stupid. I mean, you, it's, it's, it, how can you have a discussion with someone who's just completely ridiculous? And you find that. I mean, for a start, anyone who could even begin to think that that big fat Baba or that guy who escaped from the LIC office and became an avatar, anyone who can believe in that, I mean, they must be completely stupid in the first place. So why should you have any discussion with such people? It's just frustrating. I mean, they just can't catch the point. One time I was discussing with someone, I was, I was trying to give the example of a of a blind man, using as an example, that if you're blind, then you, you can't see the truth. So you can't see, so in the same way, until we get spiritual knowledge, then you can't... I was it? No, the blind man and the lame man. I was giving that example, under Pangunya. So he was saying, oh, you know, he said, why are you discriminating against lame people? What's wrong? You shouldn't say anything bad about lame people. You know, I'm just giving an example. If you're lame, you know this under Pangunya, if you're, if you're blind, you can't see where to go. And if you're lame, then you can't go, even though you can see how to go. You don't have the ability to go. So he's using this example, and he's saying that why you're discriminating against crippled people is not good. You're supposed to be a... I mean, you know, how can you discuss with such people? They're just so, so stupid. <laughs> It just completely, you know, no, no brain whatsoever. So it's like that. If you even try to discuss philosophy with such people who are following all these bogus things, then it's just, it's just totally frustrating. I had this experience so many times that, that uh, you, anything logical, they can't appreciate it. And then in the end they say, well, I just believe. You just have to believe in Baba's mercy. And there's no philosophy. It's just blind faith. So it becomes a very uh, difficult situation with such people. But still, there are some people who are willing to accept something real. Not many. To be quite frank, even among our own devotees, I find that, you know, even initiated devotees, I often find that it's, it's difficult to even state the truth Factually, all the time, because many times devotees, you know, they're initiated, they're reading Prabhupada's books, but they don't want to accept what's in the books. Not fully. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, you see, a little later. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know that's true, but, the famous word, but. Yes, it's true, but. And then whatever's true, you just throw it out and then you bring in whatever you want to say. So there are people who are at least somewhat ready to take up Krishna consciousness to some extent. They can appreciate that, yes, yes, this seems to be something very good. And mostly in the beginning, what do we expect? Who's going to come? Four kinds of people are going to come. Mostly Artha Artharthi. Artha Artharthi. Artha means distressed. And Artha Arthi means desiring money. Although mostly people desiring money don't come to us. 
because they know that we take your money away. We don't give it. Everyone knows. This goddess takes your money. But they'll go to Balaji or they'll go to Sai Baba or whatever. They mostly don't come to us. But mostly people who are distressed, suffering the pangs of material existence, and that will be mixed with often with a search for the truth, jnani, jnani in the sense, not true jnani in the sense of when Krishna is speaking Bhagavad Gita, then jnani, jnani means someone who's studied Shastra and Bhavanam Jamanam Ante Jnanam Bhagavate Vasudeva Sarvam Samahatma Sudurlava This kind of jnani. But jnani uh, type we can say in the modern age people are they can under, they have some intuition that everything is not as wonderful as it's made out to be. If you see on TV, you won't see on TV, I hope. But uh, TV means that everyone's smiling and happy and or in the movies. There may be some distress, but they all live happily ever after. Have you ever heard those words? <laughs> They have these fairy stories in the Western countries, and they go through many adventures. And in the end, the handsome prince marries the beautiful princess, and they live happily ever after. It's called a fairy story, and this means it's just an imagination. That's all. Because no one lives happily, and definitely not ever after. Even if they live so-called happily, it's not ever after. It's just a big illusion. You have to die. So it's called a fairy story. So in the movies, they should. Everything's nice, and in the advertisements, especially, if you, because I don't see the advertisements, but I can just imagine that if you drink Pepsi Cola, then everything's wonderful, everything's fantastic. Everyone who drinks Coca Cola is no more than 20 years old, and uh, they're young and beautiful. The men are handsome, and the women are beautiful. That's what you get when you drink Pepsi Cola, and then. Like that, the advertisement. This material world is advertised as being a place of happiness. Prahlad Maharaj gave a very good term that uh, Shuti Sukha. It is advertised as it is heard of as being a place of happiness. This material world, the happiness is Shuti Sukha. It is. Why does anyone think they can be happy in this material world? Because there's propaganda going on that you can be happy, and because of this propaganda, then you have what Bhaktivinoda Thakur is called Vaikuntha Brahma. Everyone is in the illusion that everything's wonderful. It's just like Vaikuntha. So there are some people who start to think, "Wait a minute." It's not really like that at all. When I drink the Pepsi, it didn't happen. I didn't get surrounded by a bunch of frivolous young men and women looking happy. I'm just the same. It doesn't work. And it's the same with everything. If I brush my teeth with Colgate toothpaste, 
it's not that, you know, all of a sudden I feel ashtasatvic bhav, <laughs> collapse on the ground in ecstasy with my head. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know. <laughs> Hurry up, it's getting late. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So some people, they start to realize, well, maybe this material world is miserable. And then when the devotees give them Prabhupada's books and they say, you should take to Krishna consciousness because after all, this material world is miserable. Oh, really? That sounds like it makes sense. So then people may start to take up Krishna consciousness. So we're looking for those people. Actually, there should be many people because everyone suffers. When you go door to door distributing Prabhupada's books, you'll find everyone suffers. You can tell by the way people react to you. Even when they're at home, they're all just full of tension. Always in anxiety. Sada samadhi. Always full of anxiety. And then if you talk to people, you'll find pretty much every home is every home there's some problem. There's family problem, they're fighting amongst each other, or the daughter ran off with a Muslim boy, or, or they've got debts, very common. Dead son. Health problem, legal problem. They're going to be evicted from the. So everyone's. I mean, at least one problem. At least one major problem in every family. And then individually, people have hypertension and ulcers and so many different things. They're getting psychiatric treatment because they want to be happy, but they're not happy. And they wonder why. And they go crazy. So you can see that people are suffering so much. Who's seen that? Who's going on? Many of you are going on door-to-door book distribution, isn't it? Who's doing that time to time, at least? No. Hmm? Sorry. Many of you are going on, going out time to time, taking Prabhupada's books, house to house. Who's doing that? Anyone? There used to be. Oh, good. What happened? <laughs> Only marathon. There used to be regularly they were doing it. Huh? Oh, it's time to revive that. Anyway, when you were doing it, you could see, you could see that people are full of anxiety, and then so many. From then you, isn't it a wonderful feeling when you give people Prabhupada's books? Because you know that you've given them their whole life they've wasted. Now they got Prabhupada's books. Now there's a chance. Oh, you should all start this again. That was going on regularly before. Of course, I know you're very busy. That's the symptom of modern life. Everyone's very busy. 
But at least, uh, at least some of you have tried to find some time. You should all, can everyone do one thing? You all take, you all distribute, start like this. You have to distribute at least one book of prayer. You have to sell it to someone every week. One book. Can you start like that? You can all do that, right? Everyone can bow to do that. Ladies also. Why don't you all do that? Okay? So you've got how many people here? About what, 60? So at least 60 more books will go on every week. Okay? Got that, Sumitra Prabhu? It's up to you to do at least one book. And actually there's no use in taking one book from the temple. <laughs> so bring a whole, get a whole bunch. And then if you like, you can do one book a week. But then if you have them in your house, then you'll start to think, well, what are they doing sitting here? They should be going out to the people. So at least, you know, the people that work or on the bus or around your area, take the books. Give the books. Try to bring people in. I know you're trying, but it's, it's going quite slowly. Of course, it's not surprising because in the modern age, again, you know, if we have to take, how many people are going to take it up seriously? Actually, many can. But at the same time, there's a very strong current of materialism. So anyway, we have to try. And Prabhupada always emphasized that distributing his books is the best way to preach. Of course, there are many ways to preach. And we're not saying that other things should stop. But distributing Prabhupada's books is the best way. So, please take that up. And just like the inhabitants of Navadip before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, they were praying, they were lamenting, seeing what is the fallen condition of present society. So they were praying that Krishna, especially Advaita Acharya is praying, Krishna, you come. So we had to have that very strong desire that make Krishna's mercy has manifested. Now recently all the Bhagavatam was published in Tamil, pretty much, it's all there now. So after a long time, getting a, it wasn't there before. So the first thing, you should distribute one set to yourself if you don't have it, right? Charity begins at home. So you should all get all the Bhagavatam in Tamil, right? And try to just don't try to distribute these books, distribute them. Do it. Make a vow. Get these books out. And then pray to Krishna. Naturally a devotee is feeling very grateful to Krishna that we have this opportunity to be able to take part in the Sankirtan movement. We're so fortunate. But there are so many people who are unfortunate, they don't have the opportunity. So let us give them the opportunity. Especially by distributing Prabhupada's books and then inviting people. They have all these different programs throughout the city, throughout the week. So invite people to come 
invite people to come to the temple, pray to Krishna, that people may come to Krishna consciousness. Often devotees are asking, how can I make spiritual advancement? And you, you do, you go on with your chanting, go on with your sadhana, do those things. But a better thing to think is, of course we have to think of our own advancement, how to help others also to come to Krishna. If we think like that, then our own advancement, that will be, Krishna will seek it. That will be the very sign of our advancement, that we're interested in others coming. Once the devotee asked Prabhupada that, well, will we be able to go back to Godhead at the end of this life? And Prabhupada said, well, we're putting all our energy into sending others back to Godhead, then uh, we won't be able to go. Surely Krishna will take us. Another time I heard this, the first time I came to Mayapur, that one devotee had asked Prabhupada that uh, we're distributing your book, Srila Prabhupada, and all the time we see we're talking to materialistic people and we're mixing up with them to give them these books. And, and often in the Western countries they're not so straightforward as in India because people don't understand much about Krishna consciousness. So when we're distributing books, it's somehow we tell it something like yoga or something, somehow to myself. So the devotee said that, well, how are we going to think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at the time of death if they were all the time just distributing these books and mixing with materialistic people? Prabhupada said, if you distribute these books throughout your life, then at the time of death, even if you don't think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he will force his way in your mind and carry you back to God. So let us do what we can. There's Hanuman, there are monkeys, and there's the little squirrel also. So the squirrel got the full mercy of Lord Ram, just as much as Hanuman. Everyone according to their capacity. But actually everyone should think how to do beyond their capacity. Don't think this is my, my capacity. Try to do more. Probably, not probably, yeah almost as a certain fact. Yogindra Prabhu is probably, again I said probably, distributed about a hundred times more than all of us put together. He's been distributing book for so many years, going out and distributing Sri Prabhupada's books. So, Prabhupada said that of one devotee that he's distributing so many books and inspiring others to do so. Therefore, he's doing more than any sannyasi. So, because I, for my false ego, I require a big seat and a lot of respect. I'm sitting up here and talking all these things, but actually, the real heroes are humble. They don't talk so much. They just go out and do the work. So, you please do that. At least one book every week. Okay? Take a few books from the temple, distribute at least one every week, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu will 
helpless. And then we want to see how more and more people are coming to Krishna. In Navadvip, before the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, no one could imagine that there'd be such a, a massive Sankirtan movement that even the Kazi, the Muslim ruler, who was, you couldn't expect him to want to cooperate with it, he would also join the Sankirtan. But it was inconceivable. So in the same way, it's the degradation that's going on, it's inconceivable, actually. Even 20 years ago, we couldn't imagine how horrible the situation in India at the present time would become. So, also, how this Krishna conscious movement can spread very widely, if we try very hard, then inconceivable things can happen. I remember, I think it must have been 84, I think it was, or 85, I went to Russia for the first time, and it was completely heavy, nasty, communist rule with devotees being tortured in prison. And so at that time I was standing in, in the Kremlin of that St. Basil's Cathedral and praying to Krishna that somehow this situation can open up because it was obvious it's a very good, you know, few devotees we met, it's obvious it's a very good preaching for you. So due to the efforts of the devotees there and Prabhupada's desire, Prabhupada personally came to Russia, he was very enthusiastic to go to Russia. So actually it happened, it was, it was inconceivable how the, the nasty evil empire, as Ronald Reagan called it, it just collapsed and now Krishna consciousness can be spread openly in Russia and there are so many devotees. So, very quickly, it happened. So, how did that happen? Because so many devotees, they were practicing Krishna consciousness underground, they were taking so many austerities and so many difficulties to even to be Krishna conscious. What alone did not to speak of spreading it? I remember we visited some uh, devotees' apartment and they were making Bhagavad Gita by hand. That means they photocopied the editions they had and then they'd glue it together, put it in a vice, and file it down, handmade books. And then they'd go out on the street and find someone and say, hey, uh, I want this book. People are very interested to take any such books, anything illegal. They're very interested. So it's very dangerous. They knew that sooner or later the KGB is going to catch me and I'll be tortured in prison. And they were doing it because they thought, why not? What's the use of being alive unless we do something for Krishna? They were taking, they were so sincere and Krishna reciprocated. So if our desire is very strong that we must try to our utmost to spread Krishna consciousness, then Krishna will reciprocate. So many people will become Krishna conscious. Whenever you see someone, you should think, mostly people don't have Vaishnava Tila, you should think. They'd look much better with Tilak. Just imagine how nice they would look if they had nice Tilak and chanting beads. You go to people's houses, you see they're all full of anxiety. They're so much full of anxiety, they can't even talk to them sometimes. Just, just how their life can be transformed. We should pray like that. Everyone we meet.